So good to see you here this morning. Thankful for those of you joining us online and also those uh, in the venue this morning. Bit of a different message this morning. You've heard for the last couple of weeks that this morning was about the recast of Vision 2020. Well, why are we recasting the vision? Well, we're going to hit it hard after the first of the year. It's an unusual time. We recognize that, but we can't sit back and wait. We're going to move forward with what God has called us to. And so we want to take some time and get refocused on that vision so you can be praying uh, for that and praying through that with us. Also, to bring a little bit of clarity to the vision, we want to be sure that we're all clear on uh, what it is that we feel like we've been called to accomplish. Now, let's start by being sure we understand and that we're all clear on the difference in mission and vision. Uh, our mission never changes. It never has in the 80-year history of Geyer Springs. It never will. And that's because we didn't design our mission. Our mission is commanded or mandated by God. And you know our mission statement. And you could sum it up in three words from Matthew 28, go make disciples. That is the mission of our church. Our mission defines our, our business. That's, that's why we exist. A vision out of that mission, a vision is a picture of our desired future. It's how we see ourselves fulfilling the mission, what it looks like when we're accomplishing the task. Now, this is not the first time we've talked about vision. It's been quite a while. Uh, a previous pastor about 12 years ago, you may remember, we had a uh, group called the Next Steps Committee, and they talked about the vision for the next steps, what was to happen next. And, and if you were here then or you remember, one of the key points of that vision was that Geyer Springs needed to be much more involved in ministry to the community. And God has incredibly blessed that over the last 10 plus years, and we are known all around the city and central Arkansas as a church that deeply loves and ministers to the community. And that's opened many, many doors to the gospel for us. Well, Vision 2020, uh, if you were here, you may remember that our church, our body, affirmed that vision back in January of this year. There's been a couple of things that happened since then. And so uh, we haven't talked about it much. We haven't revisited much. But basically, we affirmed the vision um, that was brought to us by the Vision 2020 team. And in affirming that, we said, this is what we sense, this is what we believe God would have us do next in order to accomplish the mission, continue the work that he's given us to do. But before I review that vision with you this morning, I want us to look in Scripture before we talk about how this vision came about and see how God revealed a vision and called a people to a vision in Scripture. Turn to the book of Nehemiah. I'm not going to read any particular verse. I want to walk you through very quickly just an overview of the first six chapters of Nehemiah when the wall around Jerusalem was being rebuilt. Uh, the people had returned. Actually, two generations of Israelites had returned from captivity. They were back in the city, but they were in great distress because the walls around that city is broke, were broken down. Now, the book of Nehemiah is not prescriptive but it's descriptive. We're, we're not told this is the way a vision has to come and this is the way it has to be accomplished, but it's a good description and a good example of how vision uh, might come about, how it might be accomplished. So let's walk through very quickly this morning. In chapter 1, you see that God gives Nehemiah a picture of the trouble that the people are in, and so Nehemiah wrestles with that. He, he, he's in mourning. He spends time fasting. He spends time praying, and then you see that Nehemiah takes personal responsibility for the, people, the condition the people are in. Even though he's not there, he's not part of what has gone on, he's not part of the generation that sinned, that caused him to be led in captivity, he still takes 
personal responsibility, and then he commits himself to the task of what God is going to call him to do. In chapter 2, you see that uh, God miraculously provides materials to accomplish that vision. Nehemiah travels to Jerusalem. He goes out. He spends some time on his own just serving the need. Then he takes a few uh, key leaders with him, and then Nehemiah comes to the people. He approaches the people. He points them to the need and calls them to the task to fulfill that God-given vision. Chapter 3 is one of my favorites just because there are these three words that you see over and over and over again in chapter 3, and it's this phrase, next to him. It reveals that the people were all unified, the people were all working together, everyone was doing their part. You'll see that this group or this family or this, this individual was doing this, and it says next to him this happened, and next to him this happened. They're all working together. Do you know that some of the people that were working on that wall never saw the other sections of the wall? They only saw what they were working on and what was close by them. They never saw the other side of the city as that work was going on, but they were all working together. Each one individually was contributing to the whole. In chapter 4, you see uh, it catalogs some of the opposition. You see opposition throughout these six chapters, but chapter 4, there's quite a bit. It becomes obvious that the opposition was constant. It made the task much more difficult, but you'll notice that every time there was opposition, Nehemiah continually pointed the people back to the Lord. He continually came to the Lord with that opposition. Chapter 5, there's some, some trouble within the camp. Uh, the burden was falling on a few. Some people um, within the group working on the wall, some people were making much greater sacrifices financially within their family. And so Nehemiah cleared that up and said, look, we can't have uh, some that are suffering in this way. We've all got to be in this together. And then chapter 6, down in verses 15 and 16, this is just an amazing thing. The wall was completed in 52 days. Now, you think about that. I don't think that could happen today with all the technology and all the equipment we have. But in 52 days, they cleared away the rubble and rebuilt that wall around the city. And you'll see in verses 15 and 16, it says that the surrounding people recognized that this was the hand of God at work. God was glorified because the vision was accomplished. Now, with that as a backdrop, I want to review how we got uh, to the presentation of our, of our 2020 vision this past January. You actually have to go back to the fall of 2018. In the fall of 2018, we, we asked the church body, those who would, to pick up a copy of Experiencing God, which was a 12-week study, a workbook, and 400-plus uh, purchased that here, and for the next 12 weeks studied through Experiencing God while I was preaching through Experiencing God each week over those 12 weeks. At the same time that was happening, we had a team of, uh, of 12 uh, lay people, a couple of staff people, uh, different ages, different walks of life, but a team of 12 working together through that study. And every two weeks we would meet and, and just in detail go through what God was showing, what God was teaching. Now, just to remind you, let me put up for you the seven key principles that we studied in experiencing God over those weeks. Number one. God is always at work around you. We don't have to go dream up something to do. We just have to figure out what God is doing. He's always at work around us. Number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you. Third, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. Fourth, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, 
his purposes and his ways. And those are the things that that vision team looked at through that entire process of over a year, looking at the word and praying and, and hearing uh, from the church and looking at the circumstances God had us in. Number five, God's invitation to join him in his work always leads to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. And I'm going to tell you, church body, we're going to come to that crisis of belief uh, early this next year. We're going to have to decide if we're going to respond in faith and action to what God has called us to do. Number six, joining God in what he's doing requires major adjustments in your life. And then number seven, and this is a thrilling part when you're involved in a, in a process like this, is you obey God, you come to know him more deeply, and he accomplishes his work through you. So those are the key principles we studied together as a church body. Those are the key principles our Vision 2020 team uh, built their work around. After we went through that study in 2018, in early 2019, that group started asking some questions like these. I pulled these from our notes. What is our purpose as a church body? What is our purpose? Are we fulfilling it? How does our uniqueness help us fulfill our purpose? What are we known for as Geyer Springs First Baptist Church? Does our community need us? Are we meeting needs in our community? How are we contextualizing the gospel? How can we revitalize our mission, go make disciples, and be more effective at reaching? Where do we see God working? Are we doing our best at evangelism and discipleship? And what role does the Lord have for us in missions and gospel advancement? So we had a lot that we were grappling with and a lot that we were praying through and spent a lot of time together just discussing and, and praying. And out of that, our team articulated a, a vision that we brought to the church on how we should continue and move forward in our mission. You remember that vision had three components, and here's the three components of the vision that we brought to the body. Number one, we needed to expand our ministry at Raymar. That's a place that we knew God was working. That's a place that God had basically dropped in our laps a few years previous, and so we need to expand that. Secondly, we needed to enhance the worship center here, and thirdly, we needed to engage in local church planting. Now, our top priority was the top thing up there, that was the most important thing is that we do more ministry in the community around Raymar Road in order to have the opportunity to fulfill our mission and the Great Commission in that area. Now, let me address the other two components briefly. We're going to come back to the first because that was priority, but let me address the other two briefly. The second one you saw of enhancing the worship center, that was not about making a nicer place for us here. This place is more than adequate for us. That was more to do with some much-needed maintenance uh, on, on this building, this part of the building, and making this facility warmer and more inviting to guests. But as we uh, presented that vision, as you affirmed the vision, you remember we also, we didn't just say, hey, we need you to affirm what this team decided. We need feedback. And in your feedback, uh, you made it clear you wanted us to focus on the other areas first. So that's been kind of put uh, on the back burner. The second thing, it was actually item three of the, of the three we just put up, was our engagement in local church planting. Now, I think most of you realize, because of our commitment to community ministry more than a dozen years ago, our engagement in local church planting has really been going on for some time. For example, uh, we helped launch the Otter Creek Community Church back here behind us in that neighborhood because it was not an evangel evangelical ministry in that area, so we helped relaunch that as the Otter Creek Community Church. You know that Knollwood, several years ago, the uh, seven 800 homes uh, right down the street, the mobile home park, pr predominantly Hispanic. We launched the ministry in Knollwood, and since then, uh, we have helped form and helped get a pastor for Iglesia Bautista Centro de Discipulado. 
They meet in our church building. I don't know if you knew that or not, but a growing, thriving Hispanic congregation that meets right here. You remember that several years ago, we purchased a church facility over in Southwest Little Rock, where we, in the area where we used to be located. And right now, Scotty Long, the pastor of Mercy Church, is doing a phenomenal job of reaching that area. Scotty Long gets community ministry, and he's very effective at doing that. We've supported a lot of other planters locally, nationally. Most recently, you know that we received the property that used to be South Highland Baptist Church. South Highland Baptist Church is the church that launched Geyer Springs First Baptist Church a little over 80 years ago. And we received that property, and right now we have a partnership there with Isa Broadus and the New Faith Congregation. So writing uh, engagement in church planning into our vision was just to reaffirm our ongoing desire that we want to continue to partner with church planters who are influencing people toward the gospel in spheres of influence we don't have. They're working in places that we can't work and we wouldn't have ready access to, so we want to support them if they're doing that work. Now, let's go back to item one, because this was the key. What about expanding our ministries at Raymar? You know, as we considered um, the places and areas of ministry where we saw, saw God working in our body, this was a big one, that Raymar Road area. Um, The way God brought us this property in 2012 made it very clear to us that we were to establish ministry in that community. That was not a place that we expected uh, to be invested in. God just literally, there was a team way back then that was looking for a sports uh, area, and that was something God just really brought to us. And that community now has around that immediate area seven neighborhoods and 774 homes just in that area. And over the years, in the past eight years, we've been steadily increasing our presence and steadily increasing uh, the ministry we do in that area. But I think the vast majority of the community in our body knows that area for one thing, and that's Upward Sports. Look at these stats from Upward Sports over the last several years that we have been involved in that area. And 2016 was a transition year, but I want you to notice, uh, almost without exception, Over the last five years, we've been right at that 25% mark of people who come to Ray Marfields who are involved in our upward ministry, uh, football, soccer, uh, cheerleading for the girls, 25% of them, one in four families. Listen, I'm not saying they're not believers. I'm saying they're not even churched. There's no church body that they're connected with. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal pool uh, for us to be fishing in. Well, in addition to what we know about upward families, here's some additional information that helped us know and understand the need for a greater gospel presence in the area. We did a demographic demographic study. We actually did uh, three, four, and five miles around Raymar Fields. And you see on the left the description, on the right, what we determined the need was. First of all, 63% of people in that area are under the age of 44. That means they have kids in their home. Uh, Many of them are quite young. They're new families uh, with small children. So we need to work on things for kids. And and let me tell you, I'm not saying this because I'm the pastor at Geyer Springs, but I know beyond a doubt that Geyer Springs does more for preschoolers and children than any other church in our area. And we're not in a competition. I'm just saying we can offer families incredible ministry to their entire family and especially their kids. Secondly, those families are overwhelmingly busy with work and play. Their priority is convenience. If they're going to get involved in anything church-wise, it's got to be very convenient for them. Thirdly, mostly dual-income homes. You can imagine the marriage and family stress. That's something we could minister to. 
Second, or excuse me, fourth, starve for deep, authentic, lasting relationships. They don't have meaningful friendships. They're so busy, they don't develop meaningful friendships. We need to offer ways that they can develop meaningful friendships with people like us who can lead them to the Lord. They're working hard, they're moving fast, but they're still empty. They need some spiritual anchors. Many of them need help with addictions. Addiction is a tremendous issue in Saline County. And then finally, most of those in this demographic study would say that God is important, but there's no commitment in their lives, no commitment um, to, to living the life of a disciple. So there's some discipleship needs there. Those are the demographics. And let me show you one more thing. Our state convention, we got uh, some in information from them that shows how many people, and, and they show the whole state of Arkansas, but we're looking primarily at central there in the middle, how many people are unclaimed. What unclaimed means is, they don't even belong to a cult. They don't have any connection to any group at all when it comes to religion. They're unclaimed. And you see central Arkansas, it's 53.3%. In Saline County, look at the bottom there across the bottom of the screen, 59%. Six out of 10 people that you see, if you live in Saline County, you do business in Saline County, six out of 10 people that you see have no connection to anything and certainly not to a church. And, and if you work in Saline, if you live in Saline, live and work in Saline and Pulaski, it's at least five out of every 10 people you see have no connection to anything. So the need is tremendous. And, and while for that team, the vision team, the conclusion that we should expand the ministry presence at Raymar was very clear to all of us, we still spent several weeks uh, praying and discussing and considering, even going out and prayer walking in that area, basically asking the question, God, is this really you? Is this, is this what you're calling us to? Are we hearing you clearly? And that part of our cities was where the Lord continued to draw our attention. Now, as the body, back in January, uh, you, the body, affirmed the vision and specifically the priority of the three, the priority of expanding ministry at Raymar, we formed a team to begin to explore what that would look like. And that team has been working uh, since then, trying to put together a ministry plan and address facility needs. They're continuing to work right now. But knowing that we're going to have to do something significant out there, we've also got a larger team uh, of about 100 church members that are looking at and exploring uh, what do we do to, to get this venture off the ground? What do we do and, and how do we move forward with this? By the way, let me say this. Uh, Vision 2020 is about to be outdated. Does everybody know we're about to be out of 2020? Thank God, right? <laughs> let's, let's get this one in the history books. Hey, it's about to be outdated. So from now on, except when I slip up and forget because I'm an old man, from now on when we talk about our vision, it's not Vision 2020, it is Beyond Our Walls. That's what we're calling this work we're about to do. We believe that fits what God has called us to do, that phrase, Beyond Our Walls, and it certainly reflects our mission to go and make disciples. We have to build relationships beyond our walls, individually and corporately. We have to build relationships beyond our walls, and we also have to get outside these walls and establish more launch pads, if you will, or more connection points to be able to reach people for the gospel. As we look uh, at beyond our walls and look toward specifically Raymar, um, Raymar Road area, that's going to require some pretty significant construction there. Uh, we believe we're going to have to build a ministry center for meetings that can serve that community. Well, what does that look like? It can be everything, uh, including or in addition to AA meetings, civic meetings, 
English as a second language classes. That's one of the ways that we grew uh, the, the church here that, that birthed out of Knollwood. Job Corps, computer classes, resume reviews, a food pantry, a clothes closet, Crisis Pregnancy Resource Center, lots of different things. That building's going to have to be designed to do a lot of different things so that we can minister to that area. In addition to that, you know we've already begun to expand our outdoor and recreational facilities there. There are not many places like that. Uh, if you haven't been by to see the new uh, playground, we've got a huge playground there that we hope to have open pretty soon. We've talked about things like a sports pavilion, uh, a walking track or trail around the property for people uh, to use, frisbee golf, sand volleyball, putting in more recreation fields, putting lights on those fields. All of those kind of things are priority to us because we're not just looking to go slap a building up somewhere and put a church in it. We're looking to minister effectively to a community in a way that nobody else is doing. Now, that facility will also be a second campus for us. Why is that? Why would we go right down the road here and build another campus? Well, let me first of all ask this question. Why does the dollar store build across the street from Walmart? And I'll also throw out there, um, and, and this, is not, this is not a God thing, a God confirmation, but it's pretty interesting. Pastor Jason heard us talking one day, and, and he just on his own said, I, I'm going to go look something up. And he goes in his office and gets Google Maps, and he looks at the distance from the South Highland Baptist Church campus to the Geyer Springs Road campus where we started. That distance was 4.2 miles. You know what the distance is from here to Raymar Road? Thank you very much, 4.2 miles. Not saying that's of God, it just, mm. Well, listen, here, here's the real thing about that second campus. One significant change in ministry in the last decade is that people are much more community-centered in how they live. People are looking for churches in their neighborhood. People reached at that site are more likely to attend at that site. Those, those upward families, the 25% over the last five years that are unchurched, they have come to things like end-of-season celebrations, those kind of things, but they've never connected here. I can't help but believe that if they were there going to upward games, attending upward celebrations, attending community events, it might be easier to get them to consider coming to a service there. And let's just be real honest, okay? We have a very strong ministry presence in the central Arkansas area. Pulaski County, yes. Little Rock, yes. But also Saline County and specifically Bryant and some of Benton. We have a strong presence in Saline County, but folks, guess what? We're a Little Rock church. Some people that live in Saline County are not going to drive all the way to Little Rock to go to church. Now, I know that's crazy. Some of you drive from much further than that. But to reach new people who don't know us and don't know who we are and what we have to offer their family, we've got to create a ministry presence right where they are. We hope to have some concepts available very soon, like right after the first of the year, to let, let you see what we're praying toward and working toward. But, but I don't want to really talk so much about facilities that are going to be built today. I think there's a greater focus related to our vision that needs to be addressed this morning, and that, that's where I want to go for the next few minutes. I want to, I want to clarify something um, that is vital to our vision if we're truly going to fulfill our mission and move beyond our walls. It's vital. We can't let one component of a vision become the focal point. The focal point is the mission. Listen, a building is just a tool. 
It's not the end game. It is a means to the end. A building doesn't reach people. Now, we have great facilities here, and, and does it help us reach people? Absolutely, but it's not the building that draws people here. You know what draws people here? Who, what, what draws people here? You do. People draw people. The Holy Spirit draws people. The Holy Spirit works through us to draw people. So it's not so much about the building. Yes, the building's important. It's part of the vision, but that's not the mission. The, the end goal, uh, the, the end game, the goal line is reaching people for the gospel. And that has to be preeminent in all we do because we have a commission. We have a mandate from God. That's what he's called us to do to reach people for the gospel. So I want to be careful as we move through this process uh, in the months ahead, and we're going to be hitting it hard uh, starting in January. I want to be careful the building doesn't become the tail that wags the dog. The building's not the end game. You know, when you look back at Nehemiah, his work was not focused on building a great wall that would be admired by all. You know what got his attention when when God brought him the vision of what was happening in those people? His primary objective was to lift up and and to bring to safety people who were battered and broken. That was his focus. It wasn't the wall that was going to be built. It wasn't that he was going to get a a plaque on the main entrance to the wall saying that Nehemiah had been the one who organized all that. That wasn't it at all. He was looking at a battered and broken people. In fact, listen to this. Nehemiah wasn't building something new. He was repairing the infrastructure. He was going back and repairing the foundation of that society. As we are committed to reaching people for Christ, we have to be careful not to put all of our hopes in a building. It's not a a case of if we build it, they will come. If we go build a big, beautiful building over there, people aren't going to drive by and go, oh, I want to go take a look at that. That's that's not going to happen. Churches who reach people for Christ understand the importance of living on mission, and developing evangelistic relationships, living on mission. That means every member of those churches that are effective at reaching people for Christ, every member has the mindset that they are on mission throughout their entire life, in their neighborhood, in their workplace, in civic organizations they're a part of. They're there on mission. Their priority is not their work. Should your work give your, should you give your very best to your work? Yes, but your priority is not just work. Your priority is the gospel, the great commission. In your neighborhood, your priority is the great commission. In, in the sports teams that your kids play on or civic organizations you're part of, the priority is the great commission. That's living on mission. And if you're living on mission, you're continually looking for opportunities to develop evangelistic relationships. That's what churches who are effective at reaching people do, and that's what they understand. And the vision for expanding ministry to Raymar is a vision for reaching people who are not connected to the church and who probably, if they're not connected to the church, they don't know the Lord. And so the vision's more than a building. It's, it's of this church, of Geyer Springs First Baptist Church, this body. The vision is that we become a sending agency. Would you think about that for just a minute? We're going to become a, a mission or a missionary agency. As we look toward that area of the city, and that's not the only area, but as we look toward that area of the city that God is calling us to, then we have to remember our missions to go and make disciples. What's that going to take? How are we going to get beyond our walls? Beyond our walls is not just building another building outside these walls off this campus. Beyond our walls is this. We're going to be sending families over there. We're going to be sending missionaries. We're going to be training 
and this will start pretty soon here. We're going to be training a team of missionaries to invade that culture and introduce those people to Christ. What's that look like? Some of you in this room are going to be called to go. Now, I've heard a little bit, and, and maybe you're, you haven't heard any of this, I've heard a little bit of people saying, well, uh, I guess the reason we started this modern worship service is so that we could have a group to send. No, we're not, we're not doing that. First of all, we're not going to pick up that modern worship service and send it down the road because if we took that entire service and moved it out there, we'd fill the building, and we're not trying to fill the building with us. It's not for us. Secondly, we still need a modern worship service here. Geyer Springs is still reaching young adults and people who enjoy that style of worship. No, we're going to be asking families from every venue, from every walk of life, we're not just sending young families down there. Guess what? We ain't sending them down there with no wisdom in the crowd. Some of you old gray hairs, you're going. Church is going to be different there. Ministry is not going to look exactly like it does here. You're going, to, you're going to have to sacrifice. If God calls you to go, you're going to have to sacrifice some things that you enjoy here in order to fully engage there. But that campus, that ministry is going to, ha- it's going to be us. We're probably not going to call it Geyer Springs, but it's going to be Geyer Springs. It's going to share our DNA. That ministry, you can rest assured that the Word of God is going to be held high there and taught with the same authority and conviction that it is taught in this place. That ministry is going to have the same heart for the community that that we have. What's done in that ministry is going to be done with excellence, just like it's done here. But most important of all, the, the command to go and make disciples is going to be embedded in the DNA of that ministry. It's who we are, and it's what we do. So here, here's my concern as our church moves into 2021. In all the years I have been at Geyer Springs, and, and I finished 28 back in October, and all the years I have been at Geyer Springs, and especially going back to, to Paul Sanders, reaching people with the gospel has always been in our DNA. There's no question about that. That's, that's what we were, were here for. But you know, a church's spiritual life can be a lot like an individual's. There can be times as a church that we lose focus. There can be times of dryness, even times of wilderness. There can be times that that we need a wake-up call, and we need a a reminder of who we're supposed to be. This past Monday, we have staff meetings on Mondays, and this past Monday after staff meeting, I shared with our staff some of my own failings recently, especially in light of the Great Commission. And I, and I shared with them that I've not made the gospel a priority, a priority personally. And I've not been careful as a, as a pastor to keep our focus as a church on the mandate of reaching people for Christ. And listen, I, I can't just preach. I can't just say to you, hey, it's important. You've got to see it in my life. You've got to see it in the life lives of all of our pastors and all of our our leaders. We can't ask God to give you a passion for the loss if we're not burdened and if we're not broken over the lostness ourselves. The vision comes from the mission, and the vision can't be accomplished if we're not committed to the mission. We can't send people from here over there and expect to be successful at something if it's not working here. 
Two weeks ago I mentioned in the message that it's not a real shocker, not a real surprise when the child looks like the parent. A second campus is, is going to be healthy. A second campus is going to be focused on the mission. A second campus is going to be doing the things that God has called it to do if the parent is healthy and focused on the vision and doing the things that God has called it to do. So when we talk about the ministry of Raymar and we think also about our vision, let me make very clear that the ministry of Raymar is not to the exclusion of ministry right here. The vision for Raymar doesn't, doesn't supersede or replace the vision for here. God hasn't called our hearts away from here. We haven't finished the task here. We're not going to finish the task here, but we've got to be busy because there are many people to be reached right around this location, and until we get healthy reaching people, we can't reach them somewhere else. We've got a whole neighborhood back here. Yes, we help launch Otter Creek Community Church, but they can't reach everyone in that neighborhood. We've got hundreds, if not thousands of apartments around the corner, townhomes this direction. There are people all around us that still need to be reached for the gospel. So our vision has to include everything we can do to get, to get the gospel out. So as, as we move forward and as we say, well, this is an area of planning, a witness uh, at Raymar is an area God's called us to, we have to sharpen our witness here as well. We got to get back to the main thing. And as Paul Sanders used to say, keep the main thing the main thing. What does that mean for us? That means we're going to spend time over the next few months as we're pushing forward with the vision that, that's going to strengthen our mission. We've got to spend time and understand that getting beyond our walls and, and getting off of our campus and taking the gospel to those not coming to us, why are we getting beyond our walls? Why are we taking the gospel to them? What's up with that? I'll tell you what's up with that. They're not told to come to us. Find that in Scripture. Where does it say that lost people need to come seek out a church? No. The Great Commission starts with one little two-letter word. What is it? Go. Go. So for the next few months, as we push forward trying to strengthen our mission, we've got to spend time, and we've got to work on here. Getting beyond our walls is talking about the DNA for here and there. It's not just getting beyond our walls and building something off campus. It's individually getting beyond our walls and walking out of here every week when we gather and recognizing that we're walking into a mission field. And there are people that need to be reached for Christ. So we're going we're to be cycling back. You may remember a couple of summers ago, we talked about neighboring. We're going to cycle back to things like that. We're going to talk about building relationships. We're going to talk about very simple steps for getting into gospel conversations. Some of you are frightened to death of that, and I get it. It's not any easier for me than it is for you. But there's some simple steps that we can learn about and begin to take. You know, I recognize that, that the whole COVID thing has made building relationships with people extremely difficult. But that's a cop-out. Let me tell you two reasons I think that's a cop-out. I go back and look at where our church was pre-COVID, and we weren't doing a bang-up job of getting the gospel out there. But blaming the inability to reach people with the gospel on COVID is also a cop-out because do you recognize that COVID has provided the greatest gospel opportunity of all time? People are more fearful than they've ever been. People have less hope than they've ever had. We've got a phenomenal, and I understand it's hard to build relationships right now, but we've got to be creative and figure out other ways. And more than that, 
when, when restrictions ease up and we're able to spend more time with people, we better be ready to go. That's not the time to start figuring out what to do. We better have it figured out and be ready to hit the ground running while they're still, it, the, the fear is still fresh on their mind. The lack of hope is still fresh on their mind. The question about how am I going to live in a world that's this crazy, while that's all fresh, we got to be ready to go. We have, as a body of Christ, an incredibly exciting opportunity before us. And I'm going to tell you, for, once, for many of you, it will be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see God move in advancing the gospel like you've never seen before. And you don't want to miss that, and I don't want you to miss that. It's going to take all of us. Just like in the rebuilding of the wall, not everyone will have the same task, not everyone will be working at the same point, not everyone will see every bit of the project or, or vision unhold, but everyone has to be engaged, the entire body together. And here's where it starts. We need to ask the Lord to, to break us over lostness, to, to increase our passion and our burden for those who don't know Christ. We need God to remind us of the horror of an eternity in hell separated from God. We've, we've forgotten that. Most of us are so far removed from that, we've forgotten that. Nehemiah, when, when they came to him, you see this in chapter 1, when they came to him with the incredible, horrible condition the people were in, it says he wept and mourned and fasted and prayed for days. We don't know how long that was, but clearly he was disturbed. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. Listen, I want that kind of burden, that kind of brokenness over lost people. Where it deeply disturbs me when they don't know Christ or when I try to share Christ with them and they're not ready, that I'm not going to give up because I understand the weight and I understand the burden and I understand the cost for them if they don't come to Christ. I'm calling us back to our mission today. The vision's important. We, we believe that God has given us a decision to move us forward, but we're not going to move forward as a body of Christ because we go somewhere and start something new. We're going to move forward as a body of Christ when we understand that we're all called to the same mission and we have to do everything we can to accomplish that mission. We've got to keep sight of the mission. And I just felt like I had to say to you today, before we move forward into an exciting venture this next year, I just had to say to you today, don't let it be about a building and something new in another part of our city. That's not what it's about. That, that's just a piece of the puzzle. That's just one thing God has shown us to keep moving forward. But we've got to all keep moving forward here together on the mission. And that is to get the gospel out outside of these walls, into our cities, into central Arkansas, and all around the world. You know, we're, we're pretty good with the around the world stuff, but what about our neighbor? What about across the street? 